Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C dot com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. 
but if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com, and we're going to be talking all about gout today. Uh, did you know chickens could get gout? Yep, they sure can. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. We're going to be bringing Peter on in just a few minutes. I want to remind everybody there is a chicken coop contest going on right now in the summer edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Just head on over to chickenwhisperermagazine.com. Yep, that's chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And then I'm sure, without a doubt, you'll see the contest. Just click on it, and you can enter free of charge. And while you're there, subscribe to the free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. It's not about coffee. It's about getting good, reliable, factual, scientific information about raising your backyard poultry happy and healthy. Got some chicken in the news today. Uh, posted on our Facebook page a little bit earlier today. And uh, I'm going to head on over there right now, over to the Chicken Whisperer Facebook page. And um, hope you follow us over there. Lots of good information. And uh, uh, here it is. Egg prices are set to double in price. A lot of us have already seen that uh, across the country as much as we travel. We're seeing it in different states and different stores. And a lot of people were posting the prices of eggs uh, in their local store, but um, pretty, pretty interesting. And, of course, it is to the uh, uh, AI outbreak. Egg prices in the U.S. are skyrocketing following the outbreaks of avian flu with the cost of eggs to nearly double in June for producers. Wholesale prices for chicken eggs jumped 84.5% in June, the U.S. Department of Labor said. Eggs make up an extremely small share of the broader producer price index that have soared in price since April. Um, when they're rising at a 58,000% annualized rate they have the past two months, the impact is material, said Ted Wiseman, an analyst at Morgan Stanley, who estimates that eggs account for nearly a fifth of the total percent increase in producer prices last month. Wholesale chicken egg prices recorded the largest increase since the government began tracking it in 1937. How about that? Uh, cut in egg supply. More than 45 million chickens and turkeys died or were euthanized in 15 states this spring as the flu virus spread from the Pacific Northwest to the Midwest farms. The loss of those birds has cut into the supply of eggs, provoking a shortage that should begin to cause higher prices in stores. And um, we have uh, definitely seen that. And if you think about everything that uh, contains eggs, box mixes of, of uh, just about anything, anything that uses those uh, eggs in production, whether it be a box meal or a, a cake, some pies, just different things like that, um, breads, you'll see all of that start to go up a little bit because uh, their cost of producing their product that uses eggs is going up uh, as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, what happens uh, with the avian influenza this fall as the birds start to migrate uh, again. And experts are, um, are very concerned and uh, watchful, uh, specifically on the East Coast um, this year because of the massive broiler production houses on the East Coast, including my home state of Georgia, which produces more broiler chickens than any state in the United States and the Union. So uh, they're looking at that very closely, and when we talk to uh, the 
doctor with the USDA APHIS. I guess it was last week, the week before. Uh, they were talking about watching that very closely, uh, if and when and, and, and that sort of thing. And we all hope that nothing happens, but it's, you know, people are thinking it may rear its ugly head again. It's a very interesting show. Uh, we cleared up a lot of misconceptions and uh, answered a lot of questions found on our Facebook page. You can listen to that show as well as all of our other shows that are archived for your listening pleasure at blogtalkradio.com, itunes.com, podcast.com. Um, what's it called? Stretcher. There's a bunch of others that, that you can listen to, so uh, very interesting. Uh, let me see. I believe it's this Thursday from uh, poultry scientist and professor Dr. McCray. And also, I'm currently working on an ad campaign regarding salmonella. I uh, talked with uh, USDA and the CDC last week uh, regarding the outbreak. There should be an update here in the next probably couple of weeks on the current salmonella outbreak that um, that they're working on and interviewing uh, patients across the country. They think it's possibly four separate outbreaks, which may mean four different hatcheries or four different sources of the uh, of the salmonella. That's going to be very interesting. We do not have any of the uh, specifics on which hatcheries are involved yet, and as soon as we have that information, we will make that available to you. And those who have been listening to the show long enough know that regardless if they are sponsors or not, we will be reporting on that. Um, that's uh, that's what we do here, and regardless, uh, just like last year, when we reported at Tractor Supply and um, Mount Healthy actually as sponsors, and um, we reported it like we would. It was news just because they're a sponsor. Somebody, uh, a really good friend at Tractor Supply, who was uh, handling my sponsorship, basically on our quote says, look, Andy, we know you're not a corporate hack, and uh, we can't say that you've done anything bad or wrong. You're reporting the facts and the news and having the people on that uh, know about Salmonella. What, you know, what, what, what can we say? So um, same thing this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they uh, track this back. I'm also doing something I'm really going to push this hard because I think when, when when we post about salmonella, everything gets so impersonal. Oh, that's just the government's way to take our birds. Really? When the last time they took your birds? <laughs> um, and don't you think they would have took it back in 1955 when they reported the first salmonella outbreak? Um, don't you think they would have done it after the uh, uh, exotic Newcastle uh, outbreak in California that killed uh, 13 million birds or something ridiculous like that? No, they didn't. Um, so, uh, or they say, oh, I've kept chickens for 40 years. This has never happened to me. Uh, this is BS. Okay. So I'm really pushing this next issue hard and working with the CDC to try to, uh, um, contact the people who have gotten sick so we can put a personal, uh, touch on this. So we can interview the parent. This is, uh, so you realize, oh, this, wait, these are real people. This isn't just a poster that the CDC puts out. These are real people, and you can hear their voices. You can hear their experience. Um, whether, hopefully, we can get a good cross-section of this sick um, and, 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 and then interview some of the adults that have come down with this uh, salmonella this year, with this current outbreak, and some of the kids, and some of the kids' parents. And the first question I'm going to ask them is, let me ask you this. How long have you had chickens? Is this your first rodeo with them? And just kind of see how many uh, are, are newbies. And if they are newbies, uh, did you know? Did you know this could happen? Did you know it? And, and if you, did you just shrug it off and say, oh, that'll never happen to me? How many How many experienced chicken keepers? How many times, I'm going to ask them this on the air, how many times did these words utter out of your mouth? I've kept chickens for 14 years, and I've never had a problem with salmonella. Well, tomorrow's another day. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm really pushing hard with the CDC to, to try to get, because uh, I know there's HIPAA issues, privacy issues, but you know they can talk to them and say, look, we'd really like for the Chinese would like to interview you, uh, so we can try to continue to educate folks on this and let people know it's not just a poster with numbers on it. These are real people. These are kids in the hospital suffering from this because they kissed their chickens or slept with them or cuddled with them, um, and uh, then you can hear their story. And maybe some of them said, yeah, bet. I was I was in with all that other crowd that said, oh, this is just not a big deal, or that never happened to me, or, oh, that's just big government hype, and then now my kid's in the hospital and I have this huge bill because they were cuddling chickens and they weren't supposed to. Um, so you can hear firsthand. Again, it's not just a poster. So I'm working really hard to try to get these interviews set up 
Uh, so we can have one-on-one interviews and say, where are you coming in with your chickens? Where are you holding your chickens? Why were you doing this? Because you saw pictures of people doing it. Because you thought they were cute. You thought they were cuddly. Did you not know about the risk of salmonella? You did, but you thought, oh, it will never happen to me. Um, we're going to ask the tough questions when these folks are on, again, in, in, in hopes to educate other folks to think this is just a poster or just a government scam or a conspiracy theory. And then maybe we can talk to the kids, the kids online. You can hear the, the little innocent voices um, and, and the parents as well. To say, hey, this is real. These are real people um, that maybe thought just like you did about Salmonella. And uh, we're also working on a, a poster that, that we're going to post that probably has a little shock, fa- shock factor to it. But uh, sometimes that's the only way <laughs> you can reach people is with some shock factor. So um, one of those things we're working on and try to educate more folks on, on Salmonella and, and the do's and the don'ts and, and the risks uh, as well. And I try to make it just a little bit more real. Not scary. It's not our goal. We just want to make it real. Let people know it's more than just a poster. These are real people. Listen to their voices. Listen to their experience uh, of, of having this. So just one of those things that we're working on behind the scenes. So a great show lined up for you today with Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, talking about gout. Talking about this a while back. We haven't touched on it uh, recently. And, uh, yeah, chickens can get uh, gout. And so a uh, very interesting topic if there's chicken whisperer. Notebooks out and that pen and paper. And let's give Peter a big round. Uh, Peter, happy uh, Monday morning to you. Thanks very much for uh, coming on today and educating the masses on chicken gout. Sure, <laughs> glad, glad to be here. Yeah, glad, glad you're here as well. And uh, we'll look forward to more topics uh, as the future rolls around. And as fall gets here, we'll have a whole host of topics regarding uh, what to expect when fall gets here from... Uh, uh, the mold and the nutritional requirements. We'll have the uh, ultra nutritionist from Kalmbach uh, Feeds uh, doing another article on a, uh, maybe a fall issue about um, uh, fall uh, fall health. So in fact, I get in on that one because that's, uh, that's one we got to have again. So, but um, yeah, thanks for joining us. We're we're ready to take some notes on the uh, chicken gout. You know, a lot of folks are saying, "Who knew? Who knew?" <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things uh, you don't always, uh, you know, see it a lot. Uh, in some cases, um, uh, gout has actually been uh, uh, mistaken for uh, for bumblefoot um, because of the fact that it uh, generally will be in the in the joints of the foot uh, and uh, uh, at the lower end of of the hock. And in the hock joint itself, which is uh, a lot of people consider the chicken elbow or whatever you want to consider, it, but it's the hock joint, and um, they swell significantly. Um, and um, uh, the swelling, once it starts, generally, um, if you don't catch it early on, um, it's uh, difficult to get it to uh, to uh, to subside and, and go away. Uh, there are some things you can do about it. We'll talk about those uh, as as we go on here. But um, uh, generally speaking, uh, it's a failure or an issue um, uh, with multiple things uh, that, that can cause it, the kidneys being uh, one. Um, uh, there's a term they call toxic nephritis, uh, uh, which can cause gout. Uh, the the um, uh, kidneys don't have the ability then to eliminate uh, uric acid, which is the byproduct of uh, of the bird eating its food. So when the bird <laughs> eats its food and it uh, goes through the digestive process, um, one of the uh, things that's given off is uh, uric acid, and if that is not being handled properly by uh, the uh, the bird's kidneys and being eliminated from the bird's system, um, this will um, uh, basically back up into the bird's system, and then uh, you have uric acid uh, building up, and uh, that's how you basically uh, get gout. Uh, uric acid uh, basically produced in the liver, so if we have liver issues, uh, uh, you know, you can you can have uh, problems there as well. But usually, it's the, the problem itself starts, uh, for the most part, uh, in in the kidneys uh, itself. Uh, it is an interesting disease. If uh, if one ever gets a chance to to actually see it, uh, kind of comes in uh, in two different. Uh, forms. Uh, we have the uh, articular gout, which you can find in the wings, uh, the, the feet, uh, the legs. Uh, but generally, we see it in the in the uh, in the legs uh, and and the feet. Uh, but left unchecked, like any other disease, you know, all the other joints start to uh, 
have uh, swelling problems uh, and, and that kind of thing. Um, the uh, other form is uh, visceral gout, where this will end up um, uh, in the um, uh, organs of the body. So if you were to open up the body cavity, uh, it would kind of look like it snowed inside. Uh, there would be this uh, white, uh, um, flaky uh, material all over uh, the inside of the bird's uh, uh, body organs would be on the liver, it'd be uh, on, on the kidneys, it would be on the air sacs, uh, the heart, uh, just anywhere and everywhere inside uh, the bird's uh, body. Uh, and that one you can't normally see, uh, you know, any problem there. You you can have one without the other, so you don't have to necessarily have uh, the articular gout and the visceral gout all at the same time. Um, but uh, there are two different forms of it, and if you were doing a necropsy, uh, you would be able to see the uh, uh, the visceral form uh, very uh, uh, easily. Uh, as soon as you open up the body cavity, uh, you would you would get the message right quick as as to what it was. Uh, there are other factors uh, uh, other than the liver problems and and the kidney itself that that can contribute uh, to um, uh, problems with with gout. But I think one you know one goes hand in hand with the other. I think uh, it becomes a problem where some kidney failure starts um, and some uh, possible liver failure starts and then these other things uh, such as uh, the, the bird's diet um, start to uh, exacerbate themselves, making it worse and uh, first thing you know you end up with a, with a full-blown case of, of gout. Uh, for instance, even in humans we know eating, or eating a diet too high in protein ends up producing too much uh, uh, uric acid. And if the body's not capable of handling it, uh, whether it be for uh, problems with your kidneys uh, or, or a whole slew of other things, uh, it's pretty much the same same for the birds, okay? Um, for instance, uh, if you're a person that likes to give vitamins and electrolytes every day, we've talked about vitamin toxicity. Um, vitamin uh, D3 uh, in excess in the diet has been implicated in uh, cases of, of gout. So if you were giving vitamins electrolytes all the time and you had a bird or so within the flock that was having um, uh, kidney issues and you were uh, unaware of it, um, you may end up with a bird with, uh, with gout, either the visceral form or the, or the uh, articular form. Okay. Um, we know that calcium can be part of the problem, uh, <clears throat> excess calcium. Um, so um, you know, so you have uh, uh, the uh, vitamin D3 in excess. Uh, you're also, um, just like humans, excess uh, protein. So too much protein in the diet. Um, lack of uh, vitamin A has, has been uh, uh, implicated as well, uh, as has the calcium. Um, and other things such as dehydration, lack of water. And that would play to problems, uh, you know, with the kidneys then. If the kidneys... Uh, or if you don't have enough water in the bird system, uh, things are kind of drying out a little bit, and you've got to get rid of this uric acid. You're going to get a buildup in the kidneys. It's going to back up in the rest of the system. And first thing you know, uh, just because of lack of water, uh, you actually have a case of, of, uh, of gout going on. Uh, so you have to be careful uh, when you deal with this uh, particular uh, situation uh, anytime with the lack of, of water and dehydration in birds uh, uh, is is uh, very very detrimental to to their uh, to their overall well-being, and um, the uh, one of the other things that can cause uh, uh, visceral uh, or articular gout uh, can be from vaccination with a uh, fairly strong bronchitis vaccine, and uh, uh, if there's damage to the uh, to the kidneys. Uh, um, you'll end up with uh, uh, gout in some form, okay? Uh, and it's, it's, it's a nephritis in, uh, in, in, in birds uh, that have had uh, uh, <clears throat> kidney damage due to uh, vaccination with a live uh, bronchitis vaccine. Um, they call it urolithiasis. Uh, it's been kicked around quite a bit, and uh, that's the term for that. But having a case of urolithiasis, which is kidneys that have been damaged, uh, technically, by uh, um, uh, vaccine uh, or any other entity, um, you'll end up with uh, 
more than likely with uh, uh, visceral visceral gout um, or articular gout. Um, kidneys in this particular case uh, with the urolithiasis, uh, pretty easy to see. Their kidneys are swollen, full of urates. Uh, actually, the urates um, uh, end up being calcified um, to some degree like a kidney stone would in, in, uh, in humans, okay? You get a calcification. Uh, and you'll you'll see the urates all over the top of, of of the of the kidney and stuff. You'll it's pretty easy to see. Um, the types of bronchitis uh, that would cause uh, such a thing in, in chickens would be, um, for instance, we use uh, a, a Massachusetts or Massachusetts Connecticut. We talked about them before when we did the uh, series on bronchitis. But at any rate, they're fairly mild uh, and subdued, uh, and they are um, viruses that are given to chickens uh, as the primer, so to speak, especially in laying chickens. Uh, and there are different, many, many different uh, kinds of, uh, of bronchitis around. Uh, broiler chickens uh, generally are vaccinated with uh, different types, uh, and um, some of them can be, uh, you know, can be really nasty. Uh, and, and cause some of these problems in, in their own right. But if you were to use uh, what they call a Holland strain or a Mass 2 uh, without having some uh, uh, prior vaccination with a more mild, such as a Massachusetts or a Connecticut, <clears throat> uh, you could indeed have some problems uh, uh, with the urolithiasis uh, and kidney failure. Uh, and it might be widespread in the flock at that point. I've seen that uh, in several flocks years ago. Uh, where they were um, not priming the birds properly, they got in a rush, and they just figured they'd uh, skip the first vaccination, uh, and uh, uh, the next vaccination they gave them, the, um, uh, this particular one had a Holland strain in it, and uh, uh, they had a lot of mortality and a lot of uh, gout and, and uh, morbidity, and uh, ended up losing quite a few birds. So uh, bear in mind that that's, <clears throat> that's always a possibility when, when you're involved with using uh, um, these live uh, Newcastle bronchitis vaccines. Uh, it's important to uh, um, you know to know what you're doing. Uh, the overuse of calcium. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we talk about uh, young birds before they become sexually mature should not have uh, uh, a feed containing uh, a high degree of calcium. Uh, and the reason for this is because they don't need it. And if they don't need it, um, you can cause uh, some problems with their kidneys and uh, eventually uh, get into a gout situation uh, with them uh, with this uh, overuse uh, of, of calcium. So you kind of have to be, uh, uh, be careful with it. You don't give oyster shell and extra things of that nature to birds before they've started uh, laying eggs. Usually, rule of thumb for me, I always like to see an egg or two and then uh, uh, and then uh, give them any uh, excess calcium that you might want to give them in the form of oyster shell and things like that. Because if you give them a laying mash um, as they come into lay, uh, they already have basically enough in there. And uh, the uh, oyster shell, as we all know, is always given free choice. Okay, And uh, I would never put it directly in their feed, I would put it as a separate uh, entity so you don't force them to eat it when they don't really need it. Um, before I said that, uh, you know, this disease not going to show you a whole lot um, as far as symptomology is concerned. So um, when you look at birds, you have to determine uh, what else might be going on in the flock uh, as this disease uh, starts to appear. Um, You'll start to see birds that uh, yeah. sluggish, um, poor appearance, losing weight, uh, not eating, maybe not drinking, uh, sleepy, uh, unwillingness to uh, to move, uh, no energy, uh, just kind of hanging out, and all of those symptoms that I just gave you uh, uh, are symptoms that uh, mimic exactly one of the most uh, um, misunderstood diseases that we have out there, and that's coccidiosis. So if you were to have a problem with some birds um, and they had uh, gout, they may appear like they have coccidiosis uh, as well. So you have to uh, make the determination of just what the problem is. 
before you can jump off the deep end and and uh, um, and say that you have uh, birds with uh, uh, with gout. Now, on the other hand, if you're capable of doing a, your own necropsy, uh, you'll be able to see it, and you'll be able to uh, open up the uh, intestinal tract and look for some uh, uh, coccidiosis and things of that nature, um, worms, uh, and, and so on, and you know start to make some determinations of your own. I encourage everybody to to uh, if you own chickens, I think it's your obligation. Uh, if a bird dies, uh, to find out exactly why it died. And sometimes, even taking them to the laboratory, they come up uh, empty-handed. Um, and in some cases, I think that's because of the lack of ability or want to run uh, additional tests, uh, usually due to cost. Um, the, uh, I think the California State Lab, uh, in, in my opinion, from what I've seen, and I haven't seen every laboratory, but um, I know their reporting system is uh, is top notch, and they keep track of all of the cases that come into their uh, their diagnostic laboratories, and they're all categorized, and uh, they're available to uh, to anybody that wants to go and look at them on their website. So I think that's a pretty cool thing, and you can get a handle on uh, what kinds of diseases and problems that other people are having somewhere else. And if you're from California, you can see what other people in uh, at least your state, you know, what types of problems uh, they are having. And uh, uh, I think that's uh, worthy of, of people who live that way uh, taking a look at uh, and give you some insight as to what is going on. Um, but, you know, you have to make a different, a, a, what we call a differential diagnosis, then you have to decide is it coccidiosis, uh, uh, is it a liver problem? Uh, uh, is it uh, a heart problem? Uh, any of these things uh, they call uh, perihepatitis, uh, peritonitis, uh, which is a uh, intestine, uh, a gut infection, or a body cavity infection, uh, pericarditis, which is a, a heart sac infection. Uh, all of those things have to be ruled out more or less before you can put your finger on gout. Now, if you open up a bird and it's full of you know, crystals inside or you've got... Uh, swelling of a joint or two on the legs and the hock joint, uh, it may be pretty obvious to you, uh, you know, what's going on. You might be able to make uh, that assumption right then and there. Um, the uh, articular gout might be a little bit more obvious. Uh, lameness uh, it would be one of the things that you would see. Uh, you'd be able to see the swelling of the joint. Uh, and, again, the, the foot joint around the toes, uh, and it'll be more in the joint than the foot pad itself, like like uh, uh, bumblefoot would be. So you should be able to uh, kind of look at the uh, the the, uh, uh, the the leg or the foot and and make that determination uh, for yourself. Uh, and you have to take into consideration the overall well-being of the bird. If the bird is, is uh, you know been an underperformer, undersized, uh, you know, and had other issues. Uh, you know, chronic diarrhea uh, that's unexplained and, and hasn't, uh, you've treated it and you've not been able to get it to go away. Um, all of these things, um, you know, might uh, uh, give you some insight as to, to what's going on. Uh, with the articular form of, of, of gout, <clears throat> uh, you also have to be uh, cognizant of the fact that uh, mycoplasma synoviae, um, which is uh, a sister to the mycoplasma galliseptum, uh, less invasive, uh, generally less of a problem, um, but um, it likes the synovial, moist, wet tissues of the joints, uh, and in, in, in all by itself can cause plenty of swelling at, at the uh, uh, at the hock joint itself. Really, have not seen, at least in my career, swelling of the foot uh, like you would uh, with with the gout. Okay. And in many cases of, of gout, uh, you don't generally see just one leg, you see both. Uh, but that isn't, isn't always the case, but, but it is uh, one, of the, uh, one of the things that you definitely would see uh, as far as uh, uh, the, on the external side of it, looking at the bird. Okay? Um, and again, you know, what, <clears throat> what would you see if you opened the bird up? Again, those, those urates, uh, looks like it snowed inside the bird. Um, uh, the swelling of the joints uh, for the uh, articular gout, 
Um, and with the articular gout, uh, if you opened up the hock joint, let's say, and it was real swollen, um, it, it may have um, um, some thick, uh, white-looking uh, uh, pus to it, which, which would be different than the normal yellow-colored uh, or uh, off-colored uh, pus that you might see. Um, the um, mycoplasma synovia is going to give you a more fluid-based uh, uh, consistency, um, and the uric acid itself will give you some some uh, the, the crystallization uh, of of the um, of the joint. Um, prevention: <clears throat> um, never feed anything in excess, and and that's uh, even. Um, High levels of salt, um, um, and um, uh, want to make sure you don't overdo the uh, fat-soluble vitamins, the A, D, E, and K. Um, and you want to make sure that you're not overfeeding uh, protein. There are a lot of people that add a lot of stuff to their their birds' diets uh, in an attempt to get protein up. Um, and sometimes uh, I think you end up playing uh, with fire doing that. Um, I think long term, uh, you do end up with um, with um, uh, problems with the uh, the kidneys and so on, and uh, which can can then lead to uh, to uh, uh, to a gout situation. Um, <clears throat> putting anything in the water that makes the birds back off the water. Sometimes medications can do that. Um, the um, Sometimes putting uh, uh, copper sulfate, which we use lots of times for uh, sour crop and other things, if, you, if the level of it's too high, the birds won't like it and they'll back away from it. And unbeknownst to you, they're not drinking enough water. One of the things I get from people all the time is uh, when they call me um, and uh, we talk about birds that are ill. <clears throat> and uh, one of my questions is, you know, are, are they eating and drinking? And uh, the classic answer that I always get is, uh, I saw them peck at some food, and I saw them take a swallow of water. Uh, a peck of food and a swallow of water on occasion is not enough to sustain life. And um, to me, those birds are not eating. So um, when you look at this, you have to decide for yourself if the bird is eating and drinking enough to survive. And if they're not um, e eating and drinking enough uh, to survive, uh, especially on the water part of it, you start having uh, water deprivation, you start having dehydration, and uh, then the birds even back away from food even even more so. So uh, be careful what you do put in the water. Um, I've seen uh, uh, cases of, of, uh, of gout and other problems uh, being associated with feeding high levels of, of uh, dog food and cat food uh, for uh, long periods of time doesn't happen overnight as a general rule, um, and um, but I have seen that, and I've seen the problems that uh, uh, copper sulfate, if you're ever going to use copper sulfate, you need to use the acidified copper sulfate, okay, and uh, that, that can help uh, water off gout and a whole bunch of other problems, and can be used for um, um, sour crop and, and that kind of thing. Um, Vitamin electrolytes, giving them every day unless it's a, a bird really needs it. We've, we've talked about that a zillion times, but usually in those vitamins you have your, your fat solubles as well as your water solubles, so you've got A, D, E, and K in there. Um, and those uh, vitamin D3 especially can lead to uh, increased absorption of calcium, um, which could possibly lead to gout. Uh, we talked about this when we talked about um, vitamins and electrolytes uh, and a whole program that sometimes one thing needs another in order to bind up and work together, well, that would be your calcium and your vitamin D3 and, and your phosphorus. All three of those kind of work together. And uh, by having a little bit of excess in there uh, when it's really not needed, um, you can cause this uh, calcium binding uh, deal with them together, and uh, that can lead to a higher calcium absorption rate uh, which can also lead to to, uh, to gout. So you just have to kind of be careful, kind of use some common sense uh, when you uh, do these things. Uh, overuse of sulfur drugs. Um, many, many times I get people calling me and, and uh, uh, they've already used a sulfur drug, Sulmed or some other thing, and uh, 
just don't follow the directions. These things can and do. Uh, Dr. McRae can, can tell you that the Sulmed on, on many occasions has done kidney damage, which leads to uh, gout and, and other issues, and it's irreversible at that point. So uh, you have to watch uh, those kinds of things. Um, mycotoxins, uh, we did a show on mycotoxins, uh, uh, which would be the uh, ochratoxin, aflatoxin, and those kind of things. They're naturally occurring molds that grow on, on feed everywhere. And um, uh, they can uh, do kidney damage as well and, and cause gout. Um, one of the other antibiotics that uh, not overly used in poultry at this point in time, but has been used uh, in, in years past, uh, and as genomycin. Uh, and the overuse of, of genomycin uh, can and does cause uh, problems uh, with the, the kidneys, and therefore uh, can lead to uh, to uh, problems uh, uh, with gout at the same time. So when you boil it all down, what does it mean at the end of the day? If you have a problem with gout, tough to get rid of. Um, in many cases, by the time you discover it, the bird will be too far gone to uh, uh, to help the bird. Uh, but if you feel you've got to do something when you see it, pull the water away from it that you've been giving it that has anything in it uh, other than just fresh water. Uh, switch to a low-protein diet so that we uh, don't have uh, uh, more of the uric acid building up than is, than is necessary. Um, and um, run a low-protein diet for about seven days or so and see if that helps. Uh, if you've been vaccinating for bronchitis, uh, check your vaccination program. Make sure that uh, the uh, vaccines you're using is being uh, applied properly and at the proper time. Um, and sometimes acidifying the, the urine itself will, will help, and uh, uh, you can take uh, some apple cider vinegar and, and put that in the, uh, uh, in the drinking water um, and run that for 24 to 48 hours. You can also use uh, acidified copper sulfate, and uh, uh, about a quarter of a teaspoon of acidified copper sulfate and put that in a gallon of water uh, and see if that doesn't help the situation once you've made a determination that you think you have a case of gout. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple disease. Um, very, very easy to uh, to uh, prevent. And um, from my perspective, I'd rather uh, prevent this one than treat it. Um, so um, mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> you know it's it's one of those things that by the time you find it, uh, the bird's going to be you know too far gone. It's uh, you know unless you find it you know and it's in the in the uh, uh, um, Articular form uh, in one of the legs, that's a possibility of straightening that out, just like in, in humans. But once it gets inside the body cavity and stuff and, and uh, becomes visceral, I think that the chances of, uh, of survival are next to none. Did you want to hit the commercial thing there, and we'll finish up with some hot weather stuff? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, interesting information, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, really doubt my backyard chickens. Learn something new about them every day, uh, especially on this show with you being on, Peter. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely we'll touch back when uh, when we come back uh, on some heat-related issues and ways to uh, keep our flock um, healthy through this uh, this heat wave that a lot of us are having. And and then we'll look forward to maybe some topics this fall about molting and, and nutrition in the fall and things like that. But yeah, when we come back a little bit more information and reminders about what we can do to keep our flocks healthy in this hot summer heat. Stay with us, folks. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. (laughs) 
You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com. And try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you are passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Alrighty, thanks very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kambach Feeds. And uh, back over here to uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. We've covered uh, 
issues regarding doubt in our backyard flock. Now we thought it would be a great time to review kind of just some simple steps you can do to keep your flock um, happy and healthy this summer with the heat, because we all know heat is far more detrimental than the cold ever will be with our flock. And um, it can really affect them. We've seen some posts uh, already on some of the blogs and forums about people having to deal with the, uh, the effects of the heat on their flock. And uh, um, we'll just turn it right back, right back over to uh, Peter to give us some uh, healthy tips. Yeah, this is uh, another thing that's not real rocket science, but um, <clears throat> I think it's worthy of going over, uh, especially today. We're starting off the week and starting off pretty hot <clears throat> in a lot of areas. Uh, we've talked about it numerous times, but I don't think that you can talk about it enough. Um, you know, you made the comment that, uh, you know, they're more tolerant to cold than they ever will be to heat, and that's exactly true. Um, the chicken can stand a, a, a much lower temperature for a much longer period of time, um, and with a lower uh, body core temperature uh, than they ever can, uh, you know, with, uh, with the heat. Uh, one of the reasons, obviously, is that they don't sweat like you and I do, so their form of, uh, of sweating is by losing uh, heat through uh, uh, respiration, through breathing. And uh, the, um, <clears throat> the, the more that, that a bird uh, is uh, uh, trying to dissipate the heat, uh, the more stress that bird uh, is under. Uh, and we talked about this, we talked about the immune system, uh, we've talked about it a number of times, but they produce a corticosteroid uh, that uh, temporarily, while they're under that stress, <clears throat> shuts down a lot of systems, including their immune system for the most part, uh, and makes birds uh, susceptible to things that they, uh, on a normal day, might not have been susceptible to. So you have to take all of these things into consideration. Um, but... Uh, uh, You only have a, a small um, window of opportunity uh, temperature-wise. If you look at a bird's temperature being anywhere from um, 105 to 107, depending on, on the bird, um, they will start to drop like flies and die at about 112, 113 in that range. You've got a very, very small, uh, I wouldn't even say small, I'd say extremely narrow uh, window uh, to keep that bird's body temperature uh, in check. Whereas if they were in, in the cold, you can go, uh, you know, 30 degrees the other way and uh, easily and uh, still have the bird uh, survive. So um, you need to look at your flock on a regular basis. Uh, if, you're, if you're working and are not able to be, uh, be cognizant of uh, to be there at the house uh, or, or farm, uh, with the birds during the day, make sure that uh, there is adequate water put somewhere in the shade or make some shade for the birds. And, and, and uh, there's a whole lot of things you can use, uh, uh, an old tarp, uh, um, anything, an old lean-to, a piece of plywood, uh, anything that, uh, that can get the birds out of direct sunlight uh, and help uh, shelter their water from the, the, uh, the temperature. Uh, we all know that as the, as the water temperature starts to uh, get closer to their body temperature, especially if the water temperature is above 80 degrees, they start to back off of it a little bit. And the higher the water temperature gets, they just won't drink it. And uh, so, you know, putting ice in or, uh, or uh, water bottles that have been frozen, uh, if you're not going to be around for the day, uh, and even if you are, it saves you from having to run out there every five minutes and dump water and put, and put fresh water in. Um, but all of these things, uh, you know, uh, need to be looked at ahead of time. I see, uh, you know, way too many people posting that they lost a bird because of the heat and or lost several birds because of the heat, and they, these things can be prevented uh, with a little forethought and thinking ahead a little bit, a little bit of planning. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, a simple fan put out uh, in, in the yard uh, where – uh, it can be protected somewhat from the weather in case it rains while you happen to be away uh, and uh, where the birds can get in front of it. Moving air across the bird uh, will help dissipate heat, okay? Uh, when they start to drop their wings uh, and push their wings out away from their body, they're already starting into heat prostration. They're already starting to be in trouble. When you start to see a bird pant, that's a sign of trouble right off the bat. And it isn't long uh, if that isn't taken care of before 
you know, some of the birds can start dropping. The bigger the bird, the harder it's going to be. And uh, so there's a number of things you can do, an old piece of burlap, old feed bags. You can sew them together, nail them together. You can put them on a pallet. Uh, there's a, a lot of things you can do, uh, you know, to make a a, a, a temporary uh, shelter that will allow the birds to get in out of the sun if you're blessed with a lot of trees and they can get up under some trees uh, and, um, you know, get a lot of shade that way, uh, that that's fine. And I would put plenty of waterers up there, too, so that... Uh, they, they would uh, hopefully stay in that shaded area during this uh, this little bit of a heat wave we've got going on right now. Uh, and if you live in an area like I do, it's not only the heat, it's the humidity. So the humidity makes it harder, um, you know, for the birds to uh, to dissipate their own heat uh, through the moisture that they're 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 losing. Uh, so you also have to watch out for dehydration at the same time. Birds that aren't drinking water because it's too hot and are out there panting like crazy. Uh, are not going to be replacing that uh, that moisture, and we start to get into a situation of dehydration, not good either. So a combination of things, dehydration, uh, the corticosteroids being produced and impairing the bird's immune system, uh, leading to possible other health issues, uh, and then possible mortality due to uh, heat prostration and, and over-temping over the bird. Um, you can use, uh, you know, if your bird's... Uh, are inside. You can use fans inside. You can use uh, sprinklers on the roof to keep the uh, uh, the inside temperature cooler. Uh, you can use um, uh, sprinklers and or, or spray nozzles outside. You can get them almost anywhere. Uh, and um, the, the thing about the uh, the spray nozzles to keep them from uh, dripping a lot. Um, you want to make sure that the pressure that you've got going through is good and high. The higher the pressure, the better off it's going to be, and the more mist that's going to come out, because you really don't want a flood of stuff coming out and making the whole yard and place uh, muddy, leading to other issues like coccidiosis and so on. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, there, there are a number of things you can do um, uh, from, you know, just using some shade cloth, um, uh, a fan, uh, sprinklers, um, uh, misters, uh, the, the fans are really good at moving, moving a lot of air. Lots of birds uh, will stand in front of them um, and just uh, spread their wings and, and that kind of thing. Other birds don't like them, will go near them. Uh, it just depends on, on what your birds are used to, what they like, don't like, or what they'll tolerate. Um, putting um, electrolytes in the water, which is sodium potassium, basically helps the bird um, uh, at this point um, retain its moisture rather than losing it so rapidly, so that's a good possibility to do. Um, if you don't have uh, straight-up uh, electrolytes, uh, any good vitamin package put in the water uh, has got electrolytes in it, and um, I would go ahead and, and put that uh, in there as well. Um, you can also use aspirin to bring body temperature down, and um, uh, that that will help lower the bird's overall core uh, core body temperature and uh, make it easier for them to uh, to um, uh, tolerate the heat. If you get a bird that is down and is not looking like it's going to make it, um, one of the ways to to uh, to get that body temperature down, uh, you can use some cool water on the outside, but also uh, you might want to tube some fresh water into the bird. Okay, nice, cool, fresh water uh, help bring the body temperature down from the inside rather than just from the outside. And uh, many a bird has been saved that way. Uh, applying cold water to the outside of the bird takes a lot longer to get the uh, inner body tissues, uh, the visceral tissues, the heart, lungs, liver, uh, all of those things uh, to get that cold uh, water to, uh, to dissipate that heat. Um, so you're a lot better off to uh, to give a dose down the throat of uh, good, cool water uh, with some vitamins, electrolytes in it. Uh, you also uh, <clears throat> might want to feed real early in the morning, and um, then pull the feed up. And don't give them any more feed the rest of the day till till the sun starts to uh, uh, to set. In most areas, about four o'clock in the afternoon, sun's starting to uh, go the other way in the sky, and it's not yep. quite as hot. Um, and uh, so somewhere between four and five, uh, you might want to go ahead and, and feed them uh, and make sure you give them all the fresh water uh, at the same time. 
So there are a multitude of things you can do other than just stand around and watch them drop like flies, because they will. And um, I think there's enough people on forums and Facebook to have proven that over the over the last few years. And um, but um, you shouldn't lose any birds to the heat, none. Um, you know, we have plenty of uh, feeder space here. Um, we have a, a in the coop for a couple of birds that like to stay inside on occasion, even on a hot day. Uh, we've got a huge fan uh, in there. It's a commercial type fan that's used in commercial poultry houses that moves plenty of air. Um, uh, we have to be careful with it. it's on a it's on a rheostat, so we can adjust the uh, the force of the of the of the air coming down because of the tendency to blow the bedding all over the place. So can't put it up too too high, but we do move a lot of air. Uh, they can get in, they can get out, they've got shade, they've got plenty of water both inside and outside. So uh, you want to make sure you're taking care of all of those things um, and uh, give you the birds the, the best opportunity to survive this heat wave. Yeah, one of my um, uh, favorites, and sometimes it may mean you have to use a couple of different waterers because um, one of my favorite waterers for the summertime is that um, the, the chicken waterer that connects to a, a cooler. Uh, you just snap the, the spout out and, and snap this kind of uh, back in there and, and install it. And, and it reminds me of kind of those big orange round igloo construction coolers on the back of the construction trucks. And, and uh, you snap this in there and add some ice to it and, and your chickens have access to cool water all day long. Uh, like so the other tips, with uh, if you have the three-gallon or five-gallon water font, for dropping a frozen uh, 20-ounce bottle of water in, in there to try to keep the water cool for them throughout the day. Because, uh, like you said, they, once that water temperature gets hot, especially reaches their body temperature, they're not going to drink as much like, like they should. We all know that they uh, eat less in the summer and drink more in the summer, so water is, is paramount all the time, but especially, as you said, in the, in the summertime. But that's really one of my favorite waters for summertime use because you know, it's, uh, it's going to keep their water cool for, for most of the day, if not uh, even longer. And then, um, but, but in the wintertime, because you, you, of this nipple uh, design, uh, you have issues with, with freezing if you live in the northern northern climates as well. So, but, you know, so you have two, one for the summer and one for winter. But the benefits, I think you'll get that, that cool, fresh water on a regular basis is very in, important. So um, great, great review as always. Like you said, you never can review that. Uh, too much uh, regarding the, uh, keeping your flock healthy and cool in the summer months because it's so important. It pretty much affects everybody, no matter where they are. So, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Great, great episode regarding gout and then a good review on uh, keeping our chickens cool and healthy in the in the summertime. And we look forward to seeing you back here again uh, next Monday. Okay. We'll look forward to it. Great. Thank you so much. That's uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor founder, of firststatevetsupply.com. If you want to contact them, reach out and uh, tell them thank you for coming on the show on a regular basis. Or if you have some questions, it's chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. That's chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at one 800 720-1134. Remember, that's StrombergsChickens.com. Come back. Come back, From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer.
All righty, thank you very much for uh, staying with us today. Another great episode uh, is behind us. We'll return uh, this Thursday with uh, Poultry a Day with Dr. McCray. Um, let me see if we have a topic, and I'll let you know. We can look forward to that uh, together. I know I have it over here, over here uh, in this folder with McCray's schedule. Uh, July the, um, I think the 16th, I think. Oh, she was not yet. scheduled for the 30th. Let me see if that's correct. The 1st and 3rd. And then you have the 30th. So we'll, we'll see if she can come on on the 23rd because that show would make up anyway. Maybe we can do avian bowl questions and trivia. Avian bowl questions and trivia. Looks like we uh, skipped that one. That'll be fun. Maybe I'll get together some prizes we can give away and have some call-in fun and, uh, and give away some prizes for my sponsors. I don't think we'll maybe on Thursday. So, uh, But nonetheless, uh, we'll be keeping it posted on Facebook. And uh, uh, waiting to hear back. We had already talked to him last week, uh, or like I said earlier, regarding the CDC. We're trying to reach out to some of the um, uh, folks, adults, and kids uh, that were that have fallen ill and were hospitalized regarding this uh, recent salmonella outbreak. To really put a personal connection to it, instead of just seeing a poster, instead of just seeing a poster with tips on it, that's great. But when we hear from people. In the hospital, from the personal experience, uh, I think it hits home a lot more than just seeing a poster from some governmental agency. Um, for example, back uh, last summer, when I had an article written about uh, washing and refrigerating eggs, I really didn't want any. No government agency. We know what the USDA is going to say. The USDA is going to say. We know what the CDC is going to say. Wash and refrigerate your eggs immediately. We get that. But I wanted to have it done by a professional. This chickens that is meant for the wonderful eggs from his backyard. This time, Second, and then it was uh, playing the theme song, so no issues there. But um, keep you posted on, on the updates we get and the progress we're making, uh, and, and let you know what show when we actually interview these folks, so we can uh, we can learn and and uh, hear their their real life experience with this and put a little bit more um, human touch to it than just a poster uh, from a government agency. But um, what we're all about continuing education here for all of us on uh, backyard poultry with Chicken Whisper. And again, we thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you have a great week and. Uh, uh, look out for other podcasts on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Chicken Whisper. God bless everybody. <laughs> Bye.